This message comes from NPR sponsor Stripe. Tap to pay on iPhone, and Stripe can help you grow your business's revenue and reach through accepting more in-person, contactless payments right from an iPhone. To learn how, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. This is the TED Radio Hour. Each week, groundbreaking TED Talks. Our job now is to dream big. Delivered at TED conferences. To bring about the future we want to see. Around the world. To understand who we are. From those talks, we bring you speakers and ideas that will surprise you. You just don't know what you're going to find. Challenge you. We truly have to ask ourselves, like, why is it noteworthy? And even change you. I literally feel like I'm a different person. Yes. (laughs) Do you feel that way? Ideas worth spreading. From TED and NPR. I'm Manoush Zamarodi, and I'd like you to meet Lois. My name is Lois Poche Delahousie. I'm 40, I was going to say 49. <laughs> I'm 94. Lois lives in Broussard, Louisiana, and has a very active life. I think the most important thing is exercise. She goes to exercise class for an hour and a half, twice a week. She cleans her home. She gardens. I love working in the yard. She also plays cards with friends, goes to mass, and eats lunch with her family. Important things like going to the beauty parlor. (laughs) And uh, I feel good, you know. I don't feel old. I don't know what old feels like. I just feel like myself. I do have a sister that lived to be 100. And I said, if she can do it, I can do it. So I have six more years to go. And Lois just might make it, because all those activities are very likely contributing to her longevity. Even more, perhaps, than just having good genes. Only about 20% of it is genes. The other 80% is something else. This is writer and National Geographic fellow Dan Butner. For the last 25 years, he's been traveling the world to places where groups of people have lived well into their 90s and beyond. We're talking about people who've achieved the health outcomes we want, which is to live a long time largely without disease. And these people do it better than anyone else in the world. These tiny towns, neighborhoods even, are referred to as blue zones, Places where the environment seems to facilitate a longer life. If you do everything right and you have an average set of genes, you can set your financial plan to age 95. But in the U.S., that seems less and less likely. Life expectancy has declined over the past few years. The average American makes it to about 76. Dan thinks they could live far longer. The reason that people I found are living a long time is not because they have some magical diet or longevity hack. It's simply because they're avoiding the diseases that foreshorten their lives. They are not dying of dementia, cancer of the GI tract, heart disease, strokes, type 2 diabetes, obesity, at anywhere near the numbers we are today. They have the same machines, the same biological machines that we do, they've just managed to expose that machine to an environment that has allowed them to live out the capacity of what we're all given. 
So today on the show, we're spending the hour with Dan Buettner. He takes us around the world to these pockets of vitality, from mountaintop villages in Sardinia to islands off the coasts of Japan and Greece and to the Nicoya region of Costa Rica. We'll learn how these places nurtured longevity, why, as the modern world encroaches, they may be fading away, and how we can apply Blue Zone wisdom to our own homes and neighborhoods right now. The vast majority of it is, I argue, your environment, much less than your lifestyle, your environment. So Dan Buettner is now a best-selling author, and his recent Netflix series is called Live to 100, Secrets of the Blue Zones. But before he was into longevity, Dan was working for National Geographic and always on the hunt for a good story. It's actually my brother, Nick, who stumbled upon a World Health Organization report in the year 1999 that found that Okinawa, Japan, an archipelago of 161 islands in Southeast Asia, were producing a population with the highest disability-free life expectancy in the world. So I said, aha, now this is a good mystery. These people are living long and there's got to be a reason for it. So Okinawa, it's part of Japan today, but before about 1918, it was called the Rukus Kingdom. So it's a actually completely different population than people in Japan. Even though they live on islands close to the sea, they traditionally have not eaten much or any fish. Hmm. Instead, they relied mostly on a type of purple potato called emo, full mm-hmm. of complex carbohydrates and, and uh, antioxidants, the same ones that you find in blueberries. They also eat a lot of tofu. And they developed a few social constructs that, you know, at the time I kind of dismissed them, but evidence mm-hmm. has now found are probably better explainers of their longevity than anything else. Uh, number one, they have this vocabulary for purpose in the word ikigai, which roughly means the reason for which I wake up in the morning. Mm. And interestingly, the Okinawan dialect has no word for retirement. They continue to be engaged with their brains and their bodies, and they feel meaning in their life into their 90s or 100s. And that's been found to add up to eight years of life expectancy over being rudderless in life. Here's Dan Buettner on the TED stage. For this 102-year-old karate master, his ikigai was carrying forth this martial art. For this 100-year-old fisherman, it was continuing to catch fish for his family three times a week. For this 102-year-old woman, her ikigai was simply her great, great, great granddaughter. Two girls separated in age by 101 and a half years. And I asked her what it felt like to hold a great, great, great granddaughter. And she put her head back and she said, it feels like leaping into heaven. I watched your recent Netflix series with my 80-year-old parents, and we loved one particular woman. I think her name was Umito Yamashiro. She's 101 in the show, and she is just laughing, and she can balance this, like, vase on her head while she's dancing. And she says that she never, she doesn't get angry, that the secret to, to living a long time is having fun. It really struck me. Yeah. Probably not coincidentally, these blue zones, in addition to being the longest live, they're in the top 10 or 20% of the happiest places in the world. 
So a really nice finding is that the same things that drive a long life also make the journey pleasant and wonderful. They kind of go hand in hand. You can't often separate happiness and laughter and a full, rich, purposeful life and longevity. They're part of the same mix. Okay, so you spent a lot of time in Okinawa. You learned about how they live there. And then you decided to go visit Sardinia. Why was Sardinia next? We had data for Sardinia. A researcher named Gianni Pess was just beginning to report it in this very obscure journal. Nobody knew about it except for the 108 readers of the Journal of Experimental (laughs) Gerontology. It was on the other side of the planet, and it was producing even more male centenarians than Okinawa was producing. So there are a few unique aspects of the Sardinian longevity phenomenon, but there are more commonalities. So first of all, the Blue Zone in Sardinia is only five villages in the Nuoro and Oliastra province. And it was a matriarchal society when the rest of the Mediterranean is patriarchal. And they lived in very steep, rugged terrain. They were largely shepherds, unlike the uh, Okinawans who were largely agriculturalists. But what did they have in common? Well, if you look at dietary surveys over time, If you want to know what a centenarian ate to live to be 100, they were eating a very similar diet, a whole food plant-based diet, not sweet potatoes and tofu, but instead they were eating lots of beans and local greens and, you know, some pastas, a lot of bread, Hmm. by the way. You found an amazing correlation between longevity and how steep the people lived up in the mountains. Was it basically the steeper, the better? Yes, So not the altitude. One of the top correlations was the steepness of the village predicted making it to 100 uh, more than almost everything else. The other predictor actually was daughters you had. Hmm. Turns out the uh, guys who had five or more daughters uh, had the best chance of making it to 100. And you add that when people do get older, they don't move to nursing homes, which you say can lead to someone dying two to six years earlier than if they live with their family. Yes. I believe from having visited the homes of over 300 centenarians, it's because when you're living with your family in a blue zone, you tend to have a responsibility. You're still in charge of the food tradition. You help raise the children. You always have a garden. So their wisdom is honored and put to work. And they have a reason to get up in the morning They're still engaged with life. And I would encourage people to at least try to bring their aging parents nearby or incorporate them more into their family life. You know, something called the grandmother effect has showed that families with a grandparent in them, their children have lower rates of mortality and uh, grow up healthier. You spent time with a woman named Juliana Pisanu, who was 101, never married. Right. But she had an extended family, and in Sardinia, extended family is almost as important as your immediate family. And her nieces took time, basically a day a week, to come stay with her. Do you enjoy the time you're here, or is it work? Sai che cosa? Quando veniamo qua, noi 
You know, they weren't, oh, God, I go to go take care of my aunt. It was, oh, it's my day. I get to spend a day with her. The other interesting aspect of the centenaries I met in Blue Zones, there wasn't a grump in the bunch. Hmm. And it seemed that possessing a certain likability, being interested and interesting and a certain generosity actually drew people to them. I mean, there's something that strikes me about talking about Sardinia and Okinawa is that they're both relatively remote. Is there something to that with Blue Zones, that there is a a rhythm to their day that doesn't include a lot of sitting and hearing about how awful climate change is or wars going on or all the things that consume us every day? Their remoteness does, to your point, afford them a certain insulation from the bombardment of bad news. But more importantly, it's afforded them a insulation from the standard American diet Mm. and um, globalization that has engineered so much physical activity out of our lives. Being remote allows this culture of longevity to incubate and develop apart from what the rest of the country is doing. When we come back... A blue zone that's not so remote. We visit Loma Linda, California. I'm Manoush Zamarodi, and you're listening to the TED Radio Hour from NPR. Stay with us. Support for this NPR podcast and the following message come from Easy Cater, committed to helping companies solve food. From employee meal plans to on-site staffing to concierge ordering support. With corporate accounts, nationwide restaurant coverage, and payment by invoice. EasyCater.com This message comes from NPR sponsor Capella University. Sometimes it takes a different approach to unlock your true potential. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format is designed to help you learn relevant skills at your own pace, so you can earn your degree on your terms and apply what you learn right away. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. This message comes from NPR sponsor Global X ETFs. Looking to invest? Start your journey by exploring exchange-traded funds with Global X ETFs. Exchange-traded funds, or ETFs for short, create baskets of stocks, bonds, and other assets that you can buy in a single trade. GlobalX specialize in ETFs that track emerging trends, like the rise of artificial intelligence, as well as strategies aimed to generate income potential. Visit GlobalXETFs.com to discover how you can get started. This message comes from NPR sponsor HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, higher quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Climate change fuels hurricanes. China promises to stop. The big lie persists. Butterflies have hearts. Singers die. Plumbers win. Nurses persevere. Your world speaks. We listen. NPR Podcasts. More voices, all ears. Find NPR wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Manoush. Before we get back to the show, 2023 is coming to a close. And we've been doing some reflecting a bit here at TED Radio Hour. 
We have loved bringing you episodes about why wolves are thriving near Chernobyl, about how your brain sees your future self, and what needs to happen to fix the foster care system, among many other topics this year. And this is when we need to say a big thank you to our TED Radio Hour Plus supporters and anyone who already donates to public media. Your support makes independent and accurate journalism possible. We prioritize facts, context, and different perspectives, and we're beholden to no one except you, the public. And if you're not a supporter yet, right now is the time to get behind the NPR network, especially as our journalists gear up for an important election year. Supporting public media right now takes just a few minutes, really. And it makes a huge difference in what's possible moving forward. So join NPR Plus at plus.npr.org or make a tax-deductible donation now at donate.npr.org slash TED Radio Hour. And thank you. It's the TED Radio Hour from NPR. I'm Manoush Zamarodi. On the show today, a conversation with TED speaker and National Geographic fellow Dan Buettner about blue zones, places around the world where people have lived well into their 90s and beyond. We started our show in Okinawa and Sardinia, blue zone havens that benefit from being cut off from the world. But the next blue zone we'll visit isn't very remote at all. They're right off the San Bernardino Freeway in <laughs> Loma Linda, California. Recently, one of our producers visited the local recreation center there and met one couple taking their regular exercise class. I'm Jody Nichols and 78 years old. Jody Nichols was joined by her husband, Glenn. Glenn Nichols, 94 years old. I think he's probably the eldest of our group. Alongside dozens of other regulars, Glenn and Jody stretched, balanced medicine balls, and stomped along with their instructor. But here's what's different about this exercise for seniors. Most of the attendees are part of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, a Christian denomination whose members view their health as sacred. They're living about seven years longer than their North American counterparts. It's not so much Loma Linda that's a blue zone. It's really the Adventist culture that's a blue zone, the best concentration of which is in in Loma Linda. And they look to the Bible to inform their diet. Hmm. Mostly it's from Genesis. There's a passage where God articulates the diet of the Garden of Eden. Every plant that bears seed and every tree that bears fruit Little or no meat, vegetables, fruits, nuts, things like that. That's the original diet, according to the Bible. And from that, they've derived the message that they should be eating a plant-based diet. And their friends are all eating a plant-based diet. So that's probably the biggest driver of the fact that they're living longer, uh, again, with a fraction of the rate of disease of their neighbors living just a county over who are not Adventists. I've been a vegetarian since I was 19. I never smoked, never drank. I don't use coffee. And the reason they can avoid those things better than maybe the rest of us is because 
They were hanging out with other clean living people who were eating plant-based foods and supporting each other spiritually. And it becomes easy to fall into the slipstream of that way of life. We have uh, socials at the church. We go to that on Saturday night, play games and uh, socialize. She's more socially active than I am. We don't sit in front of the TV. The TV is rarely, rarely on. Um, We play games. That keeps our brain, we hope, moving. I think God gave us that community. He wants us to be in community and prayer, not just once or twice a day, but throughout our day. I'm really curious about the role of religion for the folks in Loma Linda, because how much is organized religion and an affiliation with a group? What impacts longevity, do you think? Is it belonging and identity that makes people live longer or, or the spirituality connection to a higher power that makes people live longer. Do Can we tell the difference? Well, you cannot – we don't know how to measure spirituality with any accuracy. But we can <laughs> right. measure something called religiosity, which is simply measured by how often you show up to a faith-based community, whether it be a church, a temple, or a mosque. And we know from meta-analyses that people who show up four times a month, are living four to 14 years longer than people who don't show up. But we don't know if hmm. that's because belonging to a faith-based community, you're less likely to engage in risky behaviors, or if it's because you have a, a, a day every week where you're de-stressing and thinking about a higher power, or if it's because you have a nice social network that you you know close and play. But we do know that Belonging to a faith-based community stacks the deck in favor of health and longevity. And by the way, those people who are making it 14 years are inner city minorities. And, And I argue that one of the best public health interventions we have available to us in most cities is getting young people involved with religious organizations. And I say that not as a religious person myself. I say it, look at the data. You know, I don't know of anything else that can Hmm. convey 14 extra years of life expectancy, you know, other than, you know, joining up for your temple or mosque or church. I mean, that's a a commitment and a a big decision. But then you also, you say that having a handful of nuts every day could give you three extra years. That's from uh, the the Adventist Health Study. That's when you follow 103,000 people for 30 years and you find that people who report eating a handful of nuts every day are living two to three years longer than the people who aren't eating nuts. You also visited a blue zone, Nicoya, a a rural region in northern Costa Rica. And, you know, we've heard this for years, that in most of the world, as income rises, so does life expectancy. But that is not the case in Nicoya. It is one of the poorest regions in a pretty poor country. Which is why we should pay attention to it. Mm Mm-hmm. This population has the lowest rate of middle-age mortality, so they have about a two-fold better chance of reaching a healthy age 90 than Americans do. So, you know, once again, I go there trying to solve a multivariable equation. I just know that this place is producing super long-lived people. Mm -hmm. And um, we found that the Nicoya Peninsula has very different groundwater than the rest of Costa Rica. It's limestone in Nicoya, and what burbles up through the 
the ground is a type of water very high in calcium and magnesium. So maybe that has something to do with it. Uh, it is a, uh, uh, the race there is a blend of Spaniards, African Americans, and, but mostly uh, Native Americans, the Chorotega people. So um, maybe it has to do with this particular mix. Uh, for most of a centenarian's life, about 80% of their dietary intake came from three foods. They call it the three sisters, corn tortillas, squash, and beans. And those three foods come together in absolutely magical ways. They produce all uh, complex carbohydrates, lots of trace minerals, but perhaps most importantly, all the amino acids necessary for human sustenance which is to say it's a whole protein without the saturated fats and the hormones and the, the other more dangerous aspects of animal-based proteins. Um, they have a very strong sense of community. Most of them are very strongly religious. Uh, again, this was a very remote part of the world, so they had to stick together. I'm thinking of one of the people that you feature in your Netflix series, uh, a cowboy named Ramiro, who really demonstrates how people in Nicoya are biologically younger than people of the same age in other places. The scene starts with him on a horse, lassoing some cattle, and it's pretty extraordinary. He's amazing. He wakes up every morning about 5 a.m., makes his own breakfast, uh, saddles up his horse and trots across town through a river where he has a, a number of cattle, that just a small herd that he takes care of. And he comes home and takes a nap and gets his lunch together and does it again uh, in the afternoon. And he had the vitality and the physical abilities of a, of a 50-year-old. But yet we know, because we could check his birth certificate uh, and his ID, that he was over 100 years old. <laughs> and, um, you know, that's where we want to be. It's at that level of vitality, but also, you know, making it to our 100 and possessing all the wisdom that he did. You have said that in the U.S. we hope for health, but we incent for sickness. Uh, that kind of bowled me over. How How is the approach to healthcare in the U.S. different from Nicoya? The Costa Rican government in the 1990s uh, instituted these basic health teams where every single man, woman, and child has the right to a visit every year from an ambassador from this team composed of a doctor a nurse practitioner, a record keeper, and two of these sort of wandering health ambassadors. And they actually go to your front door. They have your health records. They go in your backyard and look for standing water, which could harbor disease-bearing mosquitoes. They look in your refrigerator to see what you've been eating, to see look for signs mm -hmm. of you know, chronic disease. And they, they, they can catch diabetes or, or heart disease decades before it shows up in an emergency room. And that's because the government invests in health rather than looks for profit in, in health. 
there's free health care for everybody, no matter how poor you are. And it's proactive health care, not reactive health care like we have in the United States. Mm. So interestingly, they have about half the rate of middle-aged cardiovascular mortality. So much better health comes, fraction of the rate of, of uh, what we spend. We, we spend about $4.4 trillion a year on health care. About 85% of it is on avoidable diseases. And, um, you know, that's because our healthcare system only makes money when you get sick. All right. Let's go to our last blue zone, um, Ikaria. This is a Greek island close to Turkey. Um, I feel like this one makes sense, right? Greek cuisine is what the Mediterranean diet is modeled after. We hear about that here. But tell us about life in Ikaria, how it's how it's different from the rest of Greece. Ikaria is, again, very hilly. It arrives abruptly out of the Aegean Sea. There were no natural ports, so it was largely overlooked by Western civilization. You can see from Ikaria, you can see Samos, where Epicurus and Pythagoras lived and created the foundations of Western civilization. But yet Ikaria, you know, nobody really stopped there much. So you don't see the whitewashed villages like you see in the rest of Greece. The The villages are away from the sea, almost hidden, uh, sometimes in like these sort of craters, and they're scattered. Mm. You often don't even see a town square. That's because they were in perpetual threat of pirates. As a result, they had to stick together socially, but every family had its own garden and its own little vineyard. So instead of relying on, you know, the farmer to create all the food for the village, everybody created their own food. So they're all actively growing food, uh, actively growing grapes for their wine. They're in staying more physically active. They didn't have money for coffee for the most part. So they drank these herbal teas at higher rates than the rest of Greece. And the herbal teas were made of oregano, rosemary, a catnip, and a sage. Hmm. I had these herbal teas sent to the University of Athens and analyzed, and it turns out they were all antioxidants Mm -hmm. or anti-inflammatory, and in most cases, also mild diuretics, which lower Hmm. your blood pressure. So, you know, one of the reasons these people are living longer might be because they're drinking these herbal teas all the time and have a lower inflammation load or fewer uh, vascular strokes because they have lower blood pressure. Going back to the enjoying the pleasantries of life and, and another liquid that we have to talk about, which is alcohol. The sad headlines in the United States have recently been a rather definitive conclusion that the best amount of alcohol to drink is no alcohol. But that is not the case in Icaria. Right. In blue, except for the Adventists who shun alcohol, in every blue zone they're drinking. And I'm very well aware of the epidemiology studies, but um, it's not definitive in my mind. Alcohol or a little bit of wine in blue zones bring people together socially. In Ikaria, I just read a survey of 90-year-olds, and 90% of them reported drinking every day. They suffer a fraction of the rate of heart disease, a fifth the rate of dementia, uh, as we do in the United States. So I know 
for sure that making it into your 90s or 100s and having a modest amount of alcohol every day are not mutually exclusive. So so is a low rate or even no rate of dementia common in blue zones? It's low rate everywhere. What people don't often realize is whether it's heart disease, type 2 diabetes, many cancers or dementia or metabolic syndrome, they're all driven by the same factors. Lack of physical activity, eating a standard American diet, uh, loneliness, social isolation, lack of purpose, uh, exposure to contaminants. The same factors drive all of these chronic diseases that are killing us and costing us trillions a year. And uh, so, yes, in blue zones, they live a long time uh, and also suffering a fraction of the rate of dementia for the same reasons. I had always thought that dementia was just inevitable, that when you got really old, that was just another, the brain begins to atrophy. It does, but there was a recent article in the Journal of American Medical Association that showed that at least 40% of dementia or or Alzheimer is avoidable. And all I have to do is point to Icaria, population of 10,000 people where they have 20% the rate of dementia that we have in the United States. We only found three mild cases of dementia on the entire island. And Mm. um, it just, to me, shows that we should be beating dementia not by looking for the cure, but by investing in prevention. Another thing you say that works as prevention is love. You talk about a couple who met later in life. She was divorced. He was widowed. And when they met, they were really open to embarking on another chapter of life together. That was a beautiful love story. First of all, it's never too late to find love. (laughs) When my first wife passed away, I had lost my appetite to live. I wouldn't talk. I wouldn't laugh. I wouldn't eat. I fell to pieces. She brought me back. When I was looking at him, something was tickling my soul. I married my first husband at 16. I had a gloomy life, but you have made me complete, and I have forgotten the past. This great story of how Paniotis uh, actually invites his girlfriend out on their first date, and he sets up this picnic on a blanket with a bottle of wine overlooking this beautiful scene of the Aegean, and and they made out (laughs) (laughs) on their first date. Uh, And, you know, when I visited them, they're canoodling, and you could see very clearly when we visited him, he was in his 90s, he was you know, not moving as fast anymore. But you could see this beautiful symbiosis between the two of them, mm. living a life of love and social connectedness and eating good food and taking care of each other. And, it, it, you know, it underscores the central premise of Blue Zones, which is this brand of longevity not only offers us another decade or so, but the journey is fun and loving and purposeful and connected and close to nature. And it's just a beautiful way of living life. In a minute, can Blue Zones be created, manufactured even? Dan heads to the middle of America to find out. Stick around. I'm Manoush Zamarodi. 
And you're listening to the TED Radio Hour from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Yahoo Finance. Think you've done it all when it comes to your financial future? Take those investments to the next level with Yahoo Finance. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking, because boring is steady, pragmatic, responsible. You don't want your bank to be exciting. Exciting is for setting trends, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money, so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Bank. PNC Bank National Association member FDIC. This message comes from NPR sponsor CarMax. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because CarMax believes you shouldn't just settle for a car, you should love your car. That's why every car they sell has CarMax certified quality, so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. Don't settle, find love at first drive. Start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This message comes from NPR sponsor Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. Atlassian. It's the TED Radio Hour from NPR. I'm Anoush Zamarodi. And on the show today, TED speaker and National Geographic fellow Dan Buettner. Dan has spent decades researching the blue zones of the world, very different places with surprisingly similar habits. For example, the oldest people in these areas just keep moving all day long. Instead of exercising, they live in places where every time they go to work or a friend's house or out to eat, occasions a walk. They have gardens out back. They knead bread by hand and grind corn by hand. So my team figures they're moving every 20 minutes or so naturally. People in blue zones have a sense of purpose. Ikigai or plan de vida, like in Costa Rica. They have regular spiritual rituals. The Adventists pray. Costa Ricans and Koreans take a nap. The Okinawans have ancestor veneration. They eat simple, plant-based diets. Whole grains, greens and garden vegetables, tubers like sweet potatoes, nuts. And the cornerstone of every longevity diet is beans. And if you're eating a cup of beans a day, it's probably worth about four years of life expectancy over unhealthier sources of protein. And perhaps most importantly... They put an enormous emphasis on their family over their work or their hobby. So they keep aging parents nearby, they invest in their spouse, and they invest in their children. They tend to belong to a faith-based community. All but about five centenarians I met said that they believed in a god of some sort and showed up. And finally, they tend to have carefully curated immediate circles. They surround themselves with people 
who care about them on a bad day and reinforce healthy eating or some sort of an active hobby so that when they get together with their friends, they're doing healthy things instead of unhealthy things. And those are, whether you're in Asia or Europe or Latin America, you see these same things happening over and over and over again. I'm guessing that the vast majority of people hearing what you have to say, they're intrigued by this idea of changing themselves, of changing their own community. You know, I would love to move to Icaria. Cannot. um, But you are actually trying to create blue zones out of places that are not blue yet. Yes. The big insight, which took me about eight years to realize, is that health and longevity aren't something we pursue very successfully, but it very successfully ensues from the right environment. In other words, people in blue zones are living a long time because they live in surroundings that nudge them into to doing the right things and avoiding the wrong things for long enough so they don't develop a chronic disease. And you actually started a company to try and replicate these habits in places that are not blue zones, but where you think they could become blue zones. For example, uh, Albert Lee, Minnesota. It's about a town of 18,000 people. And you started working there in about 2009. Yeah. Tell us what you did. So in 2009, I started a pilot project in a place called Albert Lee, Minnesota, Uh, with the idea of instead of trying to convince an entire city to change their behaviors, I would recruit the best experts in changing the environment of a city, changing the policies, the restaurants, the grocery stores, the workplaces, the schools, the churches, and even people's homes to engineer their unconscious decisions to be incrementally better every single day for years and then measure the outcome. And remarkably... It worked fantastically. Albert Lee got a makeover. The first community in the country to be a certified Blue Zones community. City leaders are holding a meeting about how friendly Albert Lee is to pedestrians. Restaurants in Albert Lee added healthier menu options. People pledged to eat less fast food. Kids walked to school. Walking, more socializing, better diet, happier, longer life. Albert Lee has really dropped in the percentages of people with high blood pressure. The same with high cholesterol. Residents report their overall well-being, sense of community, and sense of purpose is up. So many people report that they are thriving. What happened? What did you do? First, we found food policies that favored healthy food over junk food and junk food marketing. We found policies that favored the pedestrian, the cyclist over the motorist. And we found policies that favored the non-smoker over the smokers. And then through a consensus process, we helped city council evaluate each one for effectiveness and feasibility. And then once they identified some politically expedient policies, we got them to implement several of them. The big one in Elbert Lee is they were about to widen their main street and draw more traffic from the interstate. And we convinced them to actually, instead of widening the street, widening the sidewalks and taking that street widening money and putting a walking path around the adjacent lake. And also put in about three miles of sidewalks to connect every neighborhood to downtown. 
And lo and behold, once you invited pedestrians to walk downtown, downtown filled up. And it not Mm. only increased the number of uh, amount of physical activity people got by, we calculate between 15 and 20%, downtown became a vibrant place. People were sitting at the local cafes and, and visiting the local marketing. So it created this virtuous circle. I have to say, part of me is surprised because I think, you know, the the places where you did research, Blue Zones, these were habits that had been around for centuries. I mean, isn't it really hard to change people's habits that quickly? Absolutely. Blue Zones, there's zero habit modifications. Nobody there is trying to change their habit. They are just living the life that their environment makes easy, accessible, and affordable. So what I try to do is, again, reverse engineer, try to bring the environmental components of Blue Zones to American cities. And we've now done it in 72 cities. And every city we've worked in, we've seen the BMI drop. In other words, the obesity rate goes down and people report higher levels of life satisfaction. Not because we try to change their minds, though we do a little bit but because we change their environment to make the healthy choice the easy choice. So 15 years later, after you started this experiment in Albert Lee, Minnesota, are they keeping it up? Has this been a long-term change? Are people living longer there? So they continue to do the Blue Zone work. Their ranking in Minnesota has continually gone up as a healthier city. They've reported a a drop in healthcare costs by about 30% for city workers. And they continue to do the same work that we instituted in 2009. But in more contemporary times of Fort Worth, Texas, a city of a million people, after five years doing our Blue Zone project, they report obesity has gone down, physical activity has gone up, and they report healthcare cost savings of about a quarter of a billion dollars a year. I would say projected healthcare cost savings of about a quarter of a billion dollars a year occasioned by our work. I mean, people in the U.S. don't like being told what to do, right? It's un-American. So you're almost doing it to the point where they don't even realize that their lifestyle is changing. Right. We, we never tell people what to do. We don't tell city councils what to do. We show city councils policies that have worked elsewhere to produce a health community, and then we evaluate it for effectiveness and feasibility in their community. And they choose. So we're not coming in with, you know, you got to tax sodas. We come that evidence-based things that we know. If you make a city walkable and bikeable, we know that physical activity will go up to by up as, to as much as 20%. And we can show them how to do that if they want to do that. You know, in, in the Netflix documentary series, I profiled Singapore. Yeah. In my lifetime, their life expectancy has gone up over 20 years. They now produce the longest-lived, healthiest people on the planet. How does Singapore achieve that? We don't have natural resources. People are our natural resource. Singapore works on nudges. There's a war on diabetes, for instance, in Singapore. People are taking too much sugar. They eat the wrong foods. So what do we do? What does the government of Singapore do? They try to help you help yourself. And it's not because they they have great diet plans and exercise programs. It's because they have systematically gone through and made the healthy choice easier, cheaper, more accessible. 
And uh, lo and behold, it produced a manifestly healthier environment and healthier people. I mean, the, the key thing that's different about Singapore is the government there, yes, it's a democracy, but also has autocratic tendencies, very strict rules of behavior. Is that the quickest way to get people fall in line? I mean, I remember living in New York City and the mayor, Bloomberg, trying to tax sodas and people were up in arms, you know, like we can die by ever any method we choose to. You know, you can't tell us how to do that. OK, Bloomberg effectively got rid of trans fats from the New York diet, which saved countless lives from cardiovascular disease. Who who misses that trans fat right now? Probably nobody. The fact that mm-hmm. New York is so bikeable and walkable was largely due to Bloomberg's policies. And that, that means people are getting unconscious physical activity that they wouldn't otherwise be getting, which, you know, one of the quickest ways to raise your life expectancy is if you're sedentary is just walk 20 minutes a day. It's worth about three years of life expectancy. That's all Singapore Mm -hmm. has done. Smart policies. For example, as we talked about earlier, we know that people who live at home, older people who live at home have higher life expectancies than those warehoused in retirement homes. Well, Singapore doesn't tell you you have to keep your aging parent living with you. But it does give you a tax break if if they live with you or even live nearby because they know their kids are going to take care of their parents if they're nearby. They are quite happy that I'm here and I'm quite happy to be here. My grandchildren, I took the opportunity to give them tuition in mathematics because I'm... So you're uh, their tutor. I'm quite good in mathematics. And in return, they will help me with a computer. Because I'm a computer idiot. <laughs> <laughs> computer idiot. I, I love that. So yet another two-way street. Yeah. I mean, they do heavily tax cigarettes uh, because, you know, their Minister of Health has shown that cigarette smoking is bad for people and is bad for the economy. So lo and behold, lowest smoking rates. Uh, they wanted to get people on their feet and lessen the traffic problem. So they heavily tax gasoline and cars, but as a result, they've taken that money and invested in a very clean, fast, efficient, safe, air-conditioned subway system that's no more than about 300 yards from anybody's home. So guess what? Mm. Everybody gets 8,000 steps a day without even Mm. thinking about it because it's just easier to walk to the subway than to get in your car and muscle through traffic to get places. The original Blue Zones that you visited... You know, you, you've been researching them for 20 years now. Have they, are they delighted by their status as blue zones? Are they committed to protecting that? Or are they finding that screen time and fast food and sedentary habits are infiltrating them as well? Mostly the latter. In a blue zones, as soon as the McDonald's and the Pizza Huts arrive, they start going to those places and eating the same junk food we eat. You know, as soon as that way of eating arrives, you can already see their their longevity uh, disappearing. Okinawa, I would say, is no longer even a blue zone. Oh, wow. It's been so overridden by junk food and highways that it is now about the least healthy place in Japan, which is just a tragedy. And yeah, there are individuals that want to preserve, but there's not enough collective will 
to hold back the corrosive influences of the American way of living and modernization. I have to finish with asking about you, Dan. How old are you? <laughs> I'm 104. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I'm 63. 63. And how long do you expect to live? What is your biological age? I'm probably a lot younger than my peers at 63. I'm very healthy. I don't, I don't know of any health problems. I live in a blue zone neighborhood. So I live at the southern tip of South Beach. It's a very walkable neighborhood. I have very easy access to healthy food. I live in a place where it's very social. I know all my neighbors. Plus, I look out of my window and I see the ocean. And every morning I wake up and I swim to the place where I get my cup of coffee. So um, I believe I'm going to hit 100. (laughs) And I'll be very happy with that. I mean, there is a real aversion to being old or growing old in the United States, a fear of being irrelevant or infirm and a burden. I feel that that needs to change, too, this idea that being older is not a terrible thing, but something like you hope for. Yes. You know, in America, we tend to celebrate youth. And if you look at advertising, it's almost always young people who we aspire to and beauty, and this anti-aging industry. In blue zones, the older you get, the more honored you are, the more distinguished you are. The biggest day of your life in Okinawa is your 96th birthday. In Sardinia, I met this centenarian named Rafaela, who was 106, and every day at 3 o'clock, she'd go out and sit on her porch, which was right in the path of kids getting out of school. And kids would line up to just have Rafaela touch their forehead for a second, give them a little blessing. So kids grow up with the idea that their grandmothers are treasures and their grandfathers are treasures. And they really are. The definition of wisdom is knowledge plus experience. People are in their 90s and 100s. They're repositories of resilience, of observed human history. They can help us get through the tough times. They can help raise our children. They can help get through depression in many ways because they've experienced it and worked their way out of it and survived. And we ought to be turning to these treasures more so than AI or some new technology to solve our problems. There's a lot of wisdom looking backwards that we forget about. That's Dan Butner. His Netflix show is called Live to 100, Secrets of the Blue Zones. He's also written several books, including a cookbook called The Blue Zone Kitchen. You can see his TED Talk at TED.com. Thank you so much for listening to our show today. This episode was produced by Rachel Faulkner-White and Fiona Guerin. It was edited by Sanaz Meshkinpour, James Delahoussee, and me. A special thank you to James's grandma, Lois Poche Delahoussee, for sharing her thoughts at the beginning of the show. Thanks also to Rana Anfarad and Hassan Agdam for their voices as well. Our production staff at NPR also includes Katie Monteleone, Harsha Nahada, and Matthew Cloutier. Irene Noguchi is our executive producer. Our audio engineers were Robert Rodriguez, Gilly Moon, and Margaret Luthar. Our theme music was written by Ramtin Arablui. Our partners at TED are Chris Anderson, Michelle Quint, Alejandra Salazar, and Daniela Ballarezzo. I'm Anoush Zamarodi, and you've been listening to the TED Radio Hour from NPR.
Moms know the ups and downs of life. It's what makes them great subjects for books. This is one of the things that fiction can do, right? It can give us a window into the battles that each person is waging or facing, but it doesn't mean that we condone her actions. This week on NPR's Book of the Day podcast, we are discussing books centering mothers. So call your mom, then tune into the Book of the Day podcast from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Osea. Treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Their Golden Glow body set includes three bestsellers for smooth, glowing skin, while the Glow and Go facial set provides spa-level results at home. Both sets come in giftable boxes with savings up to $48 and free shipping for a limited time. For 10% off your first order site-wide, go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM. On this week's Wild Card, we talk with Issa Rae about those moments where our lives could have gone another direction. Definitely wasn't supposed to be with that guy at all. At all. But I still think about it. I'm Rachel Martin. Issa Rae tells us how to make peace with the path not taken. That's on the Wild Card podcast from NPR, the game where cards control the conversation. 